Welcome back, loyal listeners. You already know it's your boy Jav here, and we're going to be doing things a little bit differently here at the Gray Area. I'm adding an opening monologue so that, you know, I could get my takes and my feelings off about whatever I feel like talking about before we get into the episode, you know, as a means of setting the tone and letting you guys hear from me a little bit more because I know when I have guests, sometimes I give them the floor, sometimes I talk a lot, but the opening monologue is an opportunity for me to talk to you before we get into the takes, the opinions, and of course, the facts. So after you tap in with the monologue and you get into the episode, make sure you hit me wherever you, you know, DSP that you hear the podcast, you get it on Facebook, Twitter, wherever you listen to the pod. Even if you leave a comment under the ratings, just let me know what you think about the new monologue vibe to the episode. And if you mess with it, you know, because if it's all about the listeners, if y'all not feeling me giving you the new format, then I won't do it. So make sure you contact me, even if it's by email. However this pod gets to you, I need you to let me know how you feel about the new change to the format. But let's get into it. All of you who have this energy about the Brooklyn Nets when they lose games, I need you to keep the same energy when they win games. When the trade for James Harden went down, a lot of people were losing their minds and saying that it was not going to work, it's a bad idea, so on and so forth. When, it, when, when Harden and KD got together for those first two games and they looked really good, we could not find these detractors. We could not find the people who wanted to see them lose. But as soon as Kyrie got back in the whole Kyrie saga, people wanted to get Kyrie out of there. They wanted him to retire. They wanted him to do all of these things. And then the new vibe was they wanted him to be traded because they don't want all of us in the same detractors wanted him traded so that he doesn't mess up what's going on with Harden and KD. I already peep y'all. I see y'all coming, right? But then Kyrie comes back. They lose two games in Cleveland. The, the internet is flooded. It's the, the Nets, they're not good. We, we throw all logic out the window that it's a new team and they need to figure out how to play together. These guys are not good. They can't beat the Cavaliers. Get them out of here. But then over the weekend, they win two straight with the new three. They beat Miami twice, undermanned and all. We can't find y'all anywhere. The internet is quiet. All the timelines are quiet. All the Trey Kyrie talk is quiet. The Kyrie's a weirdo talk is quiet. Especially you Knicks fans. Yeah, I can't be this loud when the when, when the Knicks win some games and the Nets lose, but when the Nets win, we can't find y'all. So I'm setting the tone right here on the gray area. If you got this energy for the Brooklyn Nets, win or lose, stay outside. Stop running and hiding when they win games because you don't want to, you, you you just don't want to talk about it. There's guys in group chats who who basically spent a half hour after both Cavaliers losses talking about Kyrie and how bad he was and, and how much they want to get him out of there, even though the Nets lost the games because they couldn't play defense. Not anything to do with Kyrie, but they spent a half hour in the group chat talking about Kyrie. But then after they beat Miami, I'm tagging them in the group chat and they won't come outside. So I'm setting this tone. I'm going to say it one more time. When it comes to the Brooklyn Nets and this NBA season, keep the same energy whether they win or they lose. If you're not vibing them, if you're not jacking them, stay on that energy. Do not hide when they win games because I am coming for you. I'm going to be the most annoying person you deal with. My opinions are my own, and let's get into this new episode of The Gray Area. Peace and love. New York City basketball is on fire. People are choosing sides, but don't get it confused. New York is still a Knicks town, and the Nets are trying to make a way. This is the gray area, and I am your host, Ray Jarvis. Showtime! For this episode, I have a person who's a Knicks fan. I felt like it was only right to have a Knicks fan step in the ring, 
defend their team's honor, and it's an individual who knows the sport and can sometimes be highly annoying in the group chat, but I love the energy nevertheless. Dre Reddy, welcome to the gray area. What's going on, podcast world? What's going on, gray area, man? I'm happy to be here, man, and I'm happy to set your ass straight tonight, too. Man. Let's get to it, man. Oh, that's the time Let's we on tonight. To Let's get to it, man. Let's get to it. Say no more. Say no more. So, boom. I usually front on the Knicks. I don't think the organization is ran well. I don't think the ownership is worth anything, but they make bread. The fans pop out. They're loyal. Cool. This season, Coach Tibbs is in place. Julius Randle's having a career year to start. I like the draft picks. The Knicks are actually a watchable product. So my question to you would be, how do you feel about this decent start to the season? Going into the... I'm going to be honest with you. Going into the season, I was actually excited about the Tibbs hire. A lot of people didn't like the Tibbs hire because obviously, um, you know, his reputation with rookies and the team being so young, a lot of people didn't see the hire as being a hire that, you know, to catapult the Knicks. Okay. But I loved it. I loved the hire for the simple fact that he started off with the Knicks. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So his passion for understanding what the garden needs, what the city needs, what the organization needs, like, was always on tap. And not to mention, he's a defensive coach. And we're in New York. You know what I'm saying? We don't care what goes on. If you're not playing no defense, we're not trying to hit none of that. So I always respected, I respected the hire. I'm not going to lie. I'm a Knicks fan. I am shocked that we at this point already have eight wins. <laughs> I was thinking that eight wins was probably not going to come until March, <laughs> to be very honest. Um, but there, I, I feel that there are a lot of players that are overachieving right now. So I'm excited, but I'm, I am still waiting for that. For that um, chariot to turn into a pumpkin. Right, if right. being so Tibbs, if I'm not mistaken, is he part of the old Pat Riley tree from back in the '90s, or was he on the Van Gundy tree? I want. Hold on, I'm not, I don't want to get the lion. I don't want to <laughs> get the lion, but I know he was a Van Gundy, on, but I can't remember if he was part of that that coaching staff when Riley was there as well. I want to say I want to say it was the Van Gundy tree, and then that's when he um, moved on to the Celtics. Okay, okay. But let me. Uh, well, you know, I'm watching the games. You know, I, I feel like New York basketball is finally good again, you know, because there's been many years where the Nets and the Knicks have been sorry. I'm a Laker fan, so MSG and the Yes Network get no burn. But I won't lie. I'm watching. I got an eye on a product because I can't go on social media and talk crazy about the Knicks if I'm not watching the games. They've been making it real One thing- difficult for me to talk crazy. I got all these jokes in the clip, and I can't say nothing because they keep <laughs> showing up and showing out. I don't know what he did with Julius Randle, but the man is feeling... He's, you know what? We used to joke and call this dude Seaview Punk Basketball. He would go in there and do a bunch of randomness, right. go nowhere, turn the ball over, the spin move to nowhere. It was legendary with right. Julius Randle. I don't know what you know what I to think, this kid. You know, what I think, you know what I think he did? What's up? Do you remember... Um, you you good with years better than me. Do you remember the year... Do you remember the year uh, Noah was the MVP candidate? I think that was 2013, 2014, somewhere around then. Right. And if you remember that year in your brain, if you remember a lot of, of where the space of where he would work, mm-hmm. it's exactly it's exactly where Julius Randle loved the ball. Oh. You know, free throw, free throw extended in the middle of the floor. He wants the ball to be able to, you know, to see the whole floor and attack, make passes. Now, Noah didn't have, he doesn't have the offensive skill set that Julius Randle has, but 
they both had the ability to Facts. get to their move. If I don't have a move, I can find somebody. And watching the Knicks play, he reminds me of Julius right now reminds me of the year when Noah was an MVP candidate. That's why it was no surprise to me when the the news came out that Tibbs wanted D Rose. Because uh-huh. it just it makes I it just feels like he's playing that that offense. And that's why that's why Burks is, is doing well as well, because he's taking all of those Jimmy Butler bucks. He's, he's he's taking all those Jimmy Butler shots. So he's he's running that offense similar to that that Chicago that you know that had Dang and mm-hmm. Rose and Noah. He's running the offense very similar. But I am like I said again, I am shocked at how quickly they picked up on um, you know, defensively what Tibbs wanna do. Cause, you know, like like we know, rookies, it takes a minute for them, you know, rookies coming to the league offense first, defense when I get it. Fact. But for how young the team is, for them to latch on to defense, I think that's why you're seeing an improvement in at least being able to sit down and watch the next game. Well, <laughs> As you already know, like, checking the box up. with Tibbs, if you don't defend, you don't play. So you don't really have much of an option right now. Young, veteran, right. in between, it don't matter. If you're not playing defense, you're not following the schemes, you're not doing your job, you're not going to play. And I feel like putting that pressure on these young kids they realize that, you know, I want to show up and show out. I'm going to have to defend. If I want the ball on offense, I'm going to have to defend, you know. And, and and I'm really appreciative of what I'm seeing because it's not like they're playing fluky basketball. I watched the Golden State game last week, and I was really like, I said it in the group chat. I'm like, yo, this team is long as hell. You really can't do much defensively right, right. because he's finding a way to put these guys in position to play the passing lanes without without necessarily having to shoot gaps. He just has guys positioned in areas where they're using length to their advantage, and it's, it's kind of impressive to look at. A guy like Julius Randle's never been known for his defense. He's he's actually active on the defensive end. He'll never be a stopper, but he's a live right. body. He's crashing the boards. I'm like, okay, Knicks, you guys look like a real team, and I'm going to keep it a stack. I can't stand y'all Knicks fans. So it's like, y'all are doing good. I'm all over the internet. I can't go nowhere. You would think y'all going to the finals i'm on twitter I'm, I'm on facebook everyone is lit for the knicks and i'm like you know what i fake want to see y'all lose so y'all can calm down because i'm getting a little sick of y'all dre i'm gonna be honest i'm sick of these knicks fans now y'all y'all popping out too heavy for me right now so let me ask you a question let What's me up? ask you a question right now the sixth seventh and eighth seed i'm not sure if it changed from last night when i checked mm-hmm. is the cleveland cavaliers the atlanta hawks and I think the Knicks probably might have dropped tonight because they lost last night. They got um they got their ass beat by Utah. But is there any one of those three teams that you feel over seventy two games, however games you may get out because of COVID, that the Knicks will be better than when the seed when the smoke clears in those three teams? Because we know the Knicks are not going to be higher than a sixty. Nah, <laughs> we, we can almost we could we go we could jot that down. You know, so you Cleveland know Cavaliers and Atlanta Hawks. I think the Hawks. Don't I'm not forget really, that you have everyone was hopping on that Hawks wave the, the after, after the offseason they had, and I look at the basketball. I'm not really like overly impressed. Like I feel like I've come away more impressed with the Knicks than the Hawks on the basketball floor. You already hear the infighting with Trey Young and his teammates about his shot selection and how he runs the offense. I think Tibbs can find a way to at least get the Knicks to the play-in tournament with the, with that cluster of teams and find a way to get that eighth seed. I don't know about a sixth or a seventh seed, but I think the eighth seed is definitely, the way they look in the East, the eighth seed is definitely an option for the Knicks. And, and if the Hawks are involved, are the, New York, the Cavs are, are the involved, New York Knicks. Say that again? Are the New York Knicks better than Orlando Magic or the Toronto Raptors? 
Definitely Orlando. I think Toronto eventually figures it out. I think a lot of it has to do with where they're playing. They're not in their comfort zone. They're in Florida playing home games. These guys are completely out of their routine. But I think Toronto has enough talent that they'll figure it out. But Orlando, not so much. Now, with that being said, both of those teams are a game out of the fifth seed. Okay. So we're talking about two teams that's in 11th, 12th place that they go on a two-game winning streak. They could get as high as five. So that's, that's, that's the only reason why I'm... You know, I'm excited for shit-talking purposes, but real basketball, like, we got to get to, like, game 42, 41. Right. Because, to me, just over time, Toronto's pedigree, Orlando's depth, um, Cleveland's talent at the guard position, I just don't see, over the course of 72 games, the Knicks being better than any of those teams who they're going to have to battle to latch on to that eighth spot. Alright, so let me ask you this. With, with you saying that, are, are you waiting for the other shoe to drop? Do you think, it sounds like you think it's almost too good to be true right now. The team that I'm looking at right now is the Cleveland Cavaliers. Mm. They're, they're the team right now that can shift Sox. whether or not the Knicks are going to make the playoffs. Yeah. Because we already we already know that the Knicks can play with the Hawks. Um, as far as Toronto, we stink versus them. It don't matter whether it's in Tampa Bay, you know, Toronto, it doesn't matter. We can't, we can't beat them right now. It's the Cleveland Cavaliers. They're the, they're the team that can, if they hold spots, you know, they can, they can prevent the Knicks, you know, from, from making the playoffs. Because it just seems like for the last couple of years, we always play the Cavs when we have to win a game. Well, we're always playing the Cavs when we're coming off a losing streak. Like, it just seems like, and I'm pretty sure this year, when it comes down to, oh, the Knicks need the next two games, we're going to look at the schedule, and one of those teams is going to be the Cleveland Cavaliers that we have to play. I just think that that's the team that their success can determine how well or how high the New York Knicks can get. No, nah, I mean, the Cavaliers look like a real team. Last week, they broke the internet when they beat the Nets. But you you look at the way they've been playing, and it's like, all right, these guys, they kind of all right. They got all of these bigs. They have useful bigs in the front court. Granted, I think uh, Larry Nance just got hurt. You still have uh, Kevin Love on the injury list. But the, the rotation of big men they have and the guards that they have and they're getting a Torian Prince in there as well, like a nice, long, athletic guy who could, who could do, like, all of the utility things. Um that team is going to be around. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if they make it to the playoffs this year because once you have good guard play in the NBA and bigs that know their role and they're not trying to force offense, they they get what they rebound, they defend, they, they they're rim runners, and they have about three or four rim runners. And when Kevin Love comes back, he can stretch the floor. I think Cleveland Cleveland might not even be in the playing tournament. I think they they could if they keep the rate they're going at. You know, I think the sixth right. seed is an option for them. Right. Right. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I agree. I just think that a lot of those bottom teams are much more better and complete than their mm-hmm. record suggests at game seventeen. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Fair, like, fair, I don't, fair. I don't, I don't see the Toronto Raptors being an 11th seed by March. You know, Fox. like because if I'm not mistaken, the best team record-wise after All Star break last year was the Toronto Raptors. Yeah. So they already, they already have the, you know, the pedigree of all right. You know, this is what we do. It's time to turn it on. You know, Kawhi not here, but, you know, you know how we do when it's, you know, when it's winning time. And I just feel like that pedigree of players with their length, athleticism, it's going to be tough for the Knicks. Because, like you said, we're, we're catching people. We're catching people slipping right now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that tape don't lie. Once that tape goes around two, three times and people are on the, on the bulletin board as far as 
stopping, you know, as young as we are, it's going to be very difficult. But the fact that we're only one game or two games worse than the Brooklyn Nets, then, you know, that, that is a win in itself. You now know this. what I'm saying? That is now a this. win in itself. Now this. is Like you said, there's only been 17 games. We can't collect those type of victories yet. When Brooklyn came to the Garden the other day, y'all lost to KD in the G League team. So we, we, we got to keep things See, in perspective made, here. We have made the playoffs five times in 20 years. Any win is a win for the Knicks organization <laughs> right now. Are you, are you right. kidding me? Are you kidding me? Five times in 20 years. And oh, I always man. think uh, all right, once so we got past the second round. I mean, you know what? And, and it was a Roy Hibbert block away from maybe a conference finals appearance. Shout, shout out to Melo. I love Melo, but that block was 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 like poetry for me. I loved every second of it. But um, yeah, but that game, that game three, that game three, when when Roy Hibbert bust Tyson Chandler eyes, though, I knew he was losing that series. Like mm. he he actually made Roy Hibbert an All Star the following year. He busted his ass so so crazy that wasn't, game. Wasn't like, Tyson like won't... a defensive player of the year candidate that year? Exactly, that's, that's a, and that was the whole thing with the game. Like, how you defensive player of the year? You let Roy Hibbert go ham on you. Like, he was going ham. I got and a lot, following a lot year, of bad old... about Roy Hibbert too. He, he's part of the waste of Kobe's end. So, Roy Hibbert don't got no wins with me. Hey, but let's Kobe talk about the Brooklyn Nets. You know, this this team right here. You, you put on the internet every trade rumor that that involves. A notable play seems to be going to the Nets, even though the Nets traded about half their team for one guy. So you add James Harden, you have Kyrie, you have KD, you have a pretty decent three to contend. My question to you, you've been skeptical. I don't think I've heard you say anything good about the Nets yet. So with the current group that they have, with their big three, are they contenders or are the Nets just a clickable item for NBA fans like us? Oh, you already know my, my answer is a clickable item. Oh, I man. Don't... I don't believe Come I don't on, believe son. in James Harden at all. Mm-hmm. I believe that he's one of the greatest scorers the league has ever seen. His ability off the dribble, his ability to pass, all of that, I, he's he's elite. That has nothing to do with winning basketball games. He's shown me nothing that confirms that when the lights is on, he's going to be there. And we have more examples of him choking when the lights is on than him actually performing. And I've watched him in a big three before not beat LeBron. You know, so I don't, it's not about, it's not, to be honest, as much jokes as we go back and forth, it's not about the Brooklyn Nets. It's who they have in their jersey. And I just, I'm just not, I'm not a James Harden Arrive when the lights is on, believer. That that to me, I'm I've just watched him choke when this team needed him too many times. If right, you so let remember me, let me play 2010, advocate then. Let me play devil's advocate. 2010. Hold on, one more point. 2010. He was terrible in the finals. Let's not forget that hmm. he was terrible. Like not not average. He wasn't off. He was bad. Like but he, he was. But he got he him there, really though. bad. Yeah, but it don't matter what you got him there. We're not talking about that's the, and that's the problem that I have with Brooklyn fans. Not mm-hmm. necessarily you, is that the fact they talk about this winning, they talk about this winning, but they're already setting it up for the fact that the Nets don't win. Their excuse is, oh, but we got there. No, you didn't get Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden just to brag about getting there. You okay. know what I'm saying? Like talk about you're talking about facts. winning the whole damn thing. You're talking about winning the whole damn thing. And James Harden, I just. It just, I, I just don't know. I just don't know. That's my concern. 
Alright, so I'm gonna be devil's advocate and ask you this question because you know I, I like that you said when the lights come on, he doesn't show up. You know, and, and you know what? There's an argument to be had when it comes to that. But my question to you would be: Are the lights off in in the, in the Western Conference first round or the or the Western Conference semifinals? They only turn on in the conference finals or the NBA finals because, if I'm not mistaken, as a solo act of the three. With the exception of KD's championships, who people, some people count and some people don't count with Golden State, he's had a pretty strong solo run out of the three of them. There's a lot of Westbrook fans out here who love to hold up Chase Brook, but in reality, James Harden has had the career that you act like Westbrook had. You know, it's not his fault that he ran into a dynasty in the conference finals on two different occasions. That, that's his fault that he ran into Golden State. And, and, had, and nobody name was me, and name so, me, so, so how can we say that the lights don't come on and he don't show up if he got to the Western Conference Finals twice and lost to the greatest dynasty of the modern era? And I want you to name me the time going into an NBA season the Houston Rockets was favored to win an NBA championship. Not just be good, not make the playoffs, and they can beat somebody. I'm talking about before the season starts, mm -hmm. we were saying collectively the Houston Rockets can win a championship. The only year you can possibly make the argument was the CP3 year. A lot of people felt like CP3 and Harder could do some things, but I and feel like what that was kind the of reason supports... why they said no. Yeah, what I mean, because Golden State no. was there. You had you had KD, Steph, and Clay. Who was beating them? No, no, no. The reason why is because why? Because everybody was saying, why do people believe just because Chris Paul and James Harden are together that they can win? No, you're, and actually, that is the you're, problem. you're right about that. I was one of the few people who that felt is, like... And that is the problem. That's the problem that I have with James Harden is that his game is transferable playing next to any superstar. But you can't but it doesn't transfer to winning to the Western Conference Finals in the stronger conference and losing to a dynasty. Like, we're we, we, we not taking points off because you don't like the player. You, credit has to be given where it's due. And I can also argue that defensively, them Houston Rockets teams is deeper than what um, Brooklyn got now. Oh, for sure. Brooklyn's not a finished product. This, this, I, this, what, this is what I'm saying. So it's, so it's like, defensively, he was able to get hit. James Harden has to play defense in Brooklyn. Not, not shadow him or you know, stage boxing ones or he has to stand in front of somebody and stop somebody for Brooklyn to be anything. There's no defensive scheme that's going to be able to hide him right now. And that's swiping at the ball and letting people go up so he thinks somebody else is going to block his shot. He can't do that in Brooklyn. Well, he has to stand in front of somebody and take somebody out of a series. Right. But and I don't know if see, he can no, do no, that. No, no, no. He doesn't have to do that. See, now we got to stop lying to the public. There's no such thing as taking someone out of a series. Not in this NBA. Maybe when we were kids, that would happen. And in this NBA, you don't take anybody out of a series. What you do is you make them work. You make them inefficient. And, and do I think he's capable of that depending on the matchup? Absolutely. In fact... Every metric supports and the, the film supports the James Harden who got killed for his defense two, three, four years ago. That guy doesn't exist anymore. He doesn't hide on defense. In fact, he's been a lot more active the last two seasons. I forget the name of the assistant head coach that was in Houston, but he activated Harden. I, I've seen that a little bit in Brooklyn as well. Like he's not standing around. He's not ball watching. He's trying his best on defense to make plays. And and if you so ask a, James so Harden to do that as a primary scorer, I'm not mad at that. That's all you need: activity level, stay in front of your guy to the best of your ability, and don't foul. James Harden has done that. So on a on a level from one to ten, what do you rate his Brooklyn defense so far from the games that you've watched? Uh, about six and a half. Defense ain't been there. Do we, we know Brooklyn's defense is a question mark. Part of that is scheme and size. 
There is no scheme on defense in Brooklyn. Actually, let's, let's call it what it is. Yeah, no. I mean, you can spell Brooklyn without a D, so y'all good. <laughs> y'all good. <laughs> Yo, listen, listen. Y'all, y'all Queens people not going to come on here and disrespect Brooklyn, all right? <laughs> you don't need a D to spell Brooklyn. You know what I'm saying? So y'all good. Yo, but, <laughs> you know what I'm y'all but good. I can understand your concern. But you know, I'm going to go the other way. I have them as a title contender because I just feel like there's enough championship experience, IQ, and skill between the three of them to figure something out. And because there is no world but, beater in the Eastern Conference, there's no one team you can look at in the and East and say, I'm this glad, team is one of the finals. And I'm glad, you, I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that. Your last comment was there are no world beaters. You know why you consider them title contenders or at least to get out the East easily? Because he's not even the biggest choke artist in the Eastern Conference right there. Like, I mean, Giannis is, is right there. When he was in the Western Conference and, and the Houston was top of the league, you're talking about him being one of those players where people are like, I, I don't know, like mm-hmm. I got concerns. In the Eastern Conference, I don't even think he's top five in that category. <laughs> you still got Joel Embiid. You yep. still got Giannis. You still got Ben Simmons. You still got the the, the Tatum and Jalen Brown combo that you know New England is still waiting to you know to do something. You know, he went to the he's on the last low. year, so they sold. Although they they had no business being right, Toronto, but, but that's neither here nor there. Right, but you already know they harder on their teams than we are. Yep. You know what I'm saying? They they don't they not they don't care about appearances. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Boston, Boston area wants chips. You know what I'm saying? So he's on. James Harden is on the low list of play of players who don't show up. You know what I'm saying? So I just think it it is shaped up for where you know what I'm saying. He can he can play the he can play under the radar. Right. You know what I'm saying? It, he's not responsible for having to leave Brooklyn. He could just play his role, and there's no pressure where if Brooklyn loses. He's gonna have to answer the podium of questions of why he let Brooklyn down, right? Because there's gonna be two Sucks. other people who's gonna answer have to answer those same questions. So I can see why people are excited about the chances of you know Brooklyn sweeping through, getting out the East. But you have to notice the other teams that are in the in the conference that really serve no threat, serve no threat. You know what I'm saying? Like we know Giannis is gonna choke. And we know, and we know, Joel Embiid is going to choke as well. You know what I'm saying? So it's like you're talking about those are the two best teams in the East. How I many mean, times have we said Joel? I think Miami how many times have we said is going to be the Miami to stop Brooklyn. I'll say that much. I, Miami is the team that I, I, everyone's not talking about them, but when Miami gets their squad together, that's the favorite outside of Brooklyn, in my opinion. I, but I just feel like. The Nets are going to add some that more pieces. Speaks, that speaks even to more what I'm talking about with Philly and Boston. The fact that you're talking about a team who's literally in the pits right now and you mm-hmm. still have the confidence that they can turn it around and still be a top four team, that speaks to the Sixers. That speaks to the Bucks. I mean, and I'm not sold on any of these teams. You, well. you know what I mean? Like, Philly and, and Milwaukee are jokes to me. Boston is a borderline, eh. Miami's a team that when it's all said and done, especially in this current climate where there is no such thing as home court advantage because all the courts and the arenas are empty, their game travels and they will be a team that you got to get up out of there. And I don't know, outside of Brooklyn, I don't see no one else being capable of dealing with them when, when the lights come on, as you call it. And you only, and you, and you really only saying that because you've seen that work bam gave y'all the past couple of days. Y'all ain't got nobody to guard that man. Uh, Miami's valid. Miami, but see, t- temporarily, that man, they, they, that they still have a mid-level. They have a trade exception. The Nets, the Nets that we see today, 
will not be the team that makes makes it to the playoffs. They're going to have some bigs. They're going to have some guys in there, a 3 and D guy in there. Because to me, the biggest issue I have yeah, with the gotta, Nets is, is every time. Add, Go ahead. Brooklyn got to add three more players that used to be on the Cavs and Warriors in, the, in their chip runs. You know what I'm <laughs> You already know how y'all do it. Hey, listen, you got to get those, the championship experience vets. Because to me, any, any yeah, five, teams. when I see KD, Kyrie, Harden, Joe Harris, and Jeff Green, that team is not beating anybody. That five is not beating anybody in the playoffs. Je- Joe Harris, no. to me, Joe Harris should have been packaged in the trade. But If you have KD, Kyrie, and, and Harden, you don't need another shooter on the floor who's a minus defender. No. So I feel like whatever they do, he needs to be the next man out the door. No offense to Joe Harris. He's a great shooter, yeah. one of the best in the league. But for lineup balance and size, because you see it just like I see it, the league is getting bigger again. They're finding new creative ways to use bigs and keep them involved on the offense and on the defensive side of the ball. So you can't win with a small ball lineup. We saw the Rockets try. It it doesn't work. So they need to get bigger. They need to get bigger immediately. Now, from what you know, was there any talk about Jared, Jared Allen or... Joe Harris? No. Because I agree with you. I don't really understand why Jared Allen was part of... Like, he, to me, y'all are going to miss him tremendously. Like, tremendously. Tremendously. Because not only is he able to run up and down the court with those three guys, he plays above the rim. Yep. And I don't really understand why he was part of the deal because now what the Nets need is honestly technically what you guys traded away. Period. You, you need a rim-running big who plays above the rim. <laughs> exactly what they need. And, it's, it's funny, actually. And I don't understand And I don't understand why you keep Joe Harris when you forget, like, y- y'all got Spencer on ice. Yeah. Y'all would have had... If Spencer was playing, y'all would have had even more issues than where to put Joe if Spencer was playing. But, but, but come on, I don't we really know it is. It's a white dude. You know when white dudes get any kind of pub in any black heavy sport, you know, they, they, they get treated a little different. You know, they, they get a little more love than they should get. And look at the bag I, in that game, Joe Harris. The time Joe Harris opinion, got that bag, I he wasn't going nowhere. Right. I would have shipped Joe Harris and Spencer before I would have traded Jared Allen. Just, yeah. just off of knowing 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 personnel and it doesn't seem to me sean marks really is understanding personnel it just seems to me brooklyn had to make a move Mm -hmm. this was a move that created itself because let's not let's not kid ourselves sean marks didn't do anything to get james harden to brooklyn james harden wanted to be in brooklyn so he just did whatever he had to do to get the deal done but now that we're looking at the team I won't I say that they will get know. a big name, but this, that whole Andre Drummond talk is starting to get louder with, with the buyout market and him finding his way to Brooklyn. Can so, y'all afford him? Can y'all afford him right now? Well, again, if it's the buyout market, you don't have to afford him because he'll come in on a vet minimum if he gets bought out by Cleveland. So if that takes place, then maybe the, the fix is in because we know how this league works. It's, it's a lot of collusion in the league. Things happen behind the scenes that don't get reported. So how do we know that the Nets to make a harder move knowing that they would get a high-end big man later down the season once the buy once buyout season came into play. So that's we, why that's we, why I couldn't be that's why I couldn't be a GM because I'd be so petty. I would literally sit there and pay that man twenty million a year just so I couldn't buy him out and send him to Brooklyn. Because why? 
why would I want to send you exactly to where I don't want you to be right now? Well, you got to think about how they got the amnesty out of there so fast. At, at one point, the amnesty was a blessing. Now teams is like, oh no, 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 you signed that bad contract. You're stretching him. You don't get to just get rid of him. So there's there's still petty owners and GMs out there who make these decisions, and I'm not mad at them. The, the amnesty was getting people out of jail for free. So. I'm not mad, but we ain't talked. We haven't spoken about this guy yet. We, we about a half hour into the episode, we barely touched on the boy Kyrie Irving. I won't. I won't. We've, we've spoken a lot. I know what it is, but for the listeners, how concerned should you in New York City be about Kyrie Irving as of right now? How concerned were you with Stephon Marbury? Sheesh, that's where we at with Kyrie. That's that's He's where I'm at. With him. I don't see. I didn't, to me, it's the same same thing. Tri-state homeboy comes back to a city, mm-hmm. doing what he can because at the point he's at the height of his career. Like that's, I don't really see the difference in the in between the two guards. I mean, Steph, Steph, he played above the rim much more than you know Kyrie did. Right. Um, we definitely going to give the the you know the dribble package to Kyrie, but when you're talking about entertainment wise impact as far as game and source, like. They're really the it's really the same it's really the same player to me. And emotionally, they're definitely the same player. Yeah. You know, just they they don't deal with the ridicule because their their amateur era was so elite. Like this like one one thing people forget about Kyrie is like I don't think people understand how perfect his career has been. Since college, since high school, mm-hmm. like you're talking about a McDonald's All American, you're talking about from McDonald's All American going to Duke and being the number one pick after only playing eight games. <laughs> then you go to the NBA, you become an All Star your first year when the Cavs literally are having the worst season in team history. Then LeBron decides he wants to come back. Then you get yourself a ring. Like everything has always worked in Kyrie's. Oh, and then let's not forget in the past what seven years he's probably had to what, number one or the number two best sneaker sold? So you're, you're talking about somebody who successfully has done everything that he you you strategize and you plan to do in the NBA. He hasn't had to deal with adversity. He hasn't had to deal with people telling him he's not good enough. He hasn't had to deal with you can't win. You, you know what I'm saying? So this is why you're seeing the Kyrie that you're seeing is because now this is the first time where yeah, we talking about you every night, bro. <laughs> we talking about you every quarter. <laughs> we talking, we talking about you every shot. You are you wanted to be the man. You you the one that at USA practice told Kobe he can't guard you. Like you want that you wanted to smoke. So don't come here and now all of a sudden want to act like you're the shy guy. That's my that's my only problem with Kyrie is that he acts like he don't want the attention and all he does is do stuff to attain the attention. Like, if you don't want the attention, be quiet, bro. You don't want the attention, show up to practice, show up to the game. Don't do stuff where people can talk about you and then you're mad that people are talking about you. So emotionally, I'm very concerned with Kyrie. Because, to be honest, he is surely, solely, so lucky there are no fans in stadiums right now. He he is lucky it is open rec ball right now. Mm. Because he doesn't even have to deal with the ridicule and the booing and... The, the one game he don't play well in Brooklyn and they start booing and then he has to do sound bites and the, like that type of 
the era has not to me the era has not will not begin in Brooklyn until fans get back into them stadiums because Agreed. you from New York you know Agreed. like Agreed. you know like I know you know like I know them people in the stadium it's a different vibe mm. you know what I'm saying it's a different vibe it ain't no we checking the box score like no we watched you suck today bro we, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna boo you Facts. we're gonna boo you and I'm not and I'm not sure Kyrie can deal with that because when it happened in Boston, he dipped. And let's not forget, this is a man that said he was committing to being uh, selfish. See, tonight. see, see, see. He I was waiting that. for you to bring that up. Y'all gonna stop he telling that a lot of the people that he didn't commit. That's he not said, a lie. "If you'd have me, Boston did not have him. The organization, the front office, and that soft head coach would not have him. The cut, the, the, the coach let certain plays in that locker room push him over. He was never a grown man about his, and there's reports to support that. So Kyrie got up out of there. And once KD said, "Yo, I'm leaving Golden State because Draymond just cr- clowned me, and I'm not really with this disrespect." After I brought them two rings, I'm out. They collaborated and came to New York City. That's what happened. So you, you don't tell think, the truth here. You don't think his departure? You don't think his departure had any? to do with the fact that he watched the team be better without him and he started to hear the murmurs about how he was not bringing championship basketball to Boston? You I think, think the first anything? part of what you said is true. Like, them being better without him was eyebrow-raising. But nevertheless, when he came back in, he was still the best player on that team and certain guys wanted a level of respect and the coach didn't want these players to fall in line to give them their defined roles, which led to you can say You can say Jalen Brown. We can say names. Say Jalen Brown. It was Jalen Brown. Tatum too. <laughs> Rosier really? too. These, these these are the players. It's all of them. I mean, because it's like, we could say that Kyrie did whatever he did in Boston, right? But Gordo got out of there as fast as he could too. At the end of the day, the situation didn't lend itself to a head coach creating a certain organizational structure for the players to fall in line. So it was a wild, wild west. And I don't fault Kyrie so for did not you agree? that. So did you agree with how he got out of Cleveland when he did the whole ESPN in the, when the first take feet, uh, when, he, when he was on first take? <laughs> no, I agree with him leaving LeBron, yes, because there's too many fans. There's too many fans who don't who are not objective when it comes to a player's career, and they'll say things like he can't do this and he can't do that. As a Kobe fan, I saw Kobe do things next to Shaq and never get the credit he deserved. Kyrie didn't want to deal with that, so he got away from that as soon as he could. I mean, I read the article that said he wanted to be traded after he hit the game winner against Golden State. And he waited a year before he requested a trade. But going on first take and kind of talking down to, to Max Kellerman and, and kind of showing Stephen A respect. But he was really fronting on Max in that episode. I didn't appreciate that. I didn't, I didn't like that because I felt like you're turning at this point by leaving LeBron. You are raising the eyebrows of the sports world. You can't now go on ESPN on the on the flagship show outside of Sports Center and do what you did and handle yourself in an aloof manner that you handled yourself because now people now you have to regain the respect of the masses and to this day he hasn't gotten that back. For a second it was looking good his first year in Boston, which is why I always feel it when we bring up Boston because he he was 45 and 17 as as the face of that organization before he got hurt. People say, "Oh, they did this and they yeah. did this without him." Yeah, but the reason they had home court advantage throughout the season was because throughout the playoffs was because Kyrie was carrying that group to the best record in the right. Eastern Conference before he got hurt. So he was bringing it back, and then the second season with all the turmoil, saying what he said because again we could deal with facts, but we know that the narrative is always better than the truth. Going and saying, I'll come back if you have me, is basically saying, I'm coming back, and then you left anyway. And people are going to hold on to that, and they're going to boo you out of every gym that you go to. So, yes, you're 100% right. 
Kyrie hasn't done himself any favors, but at the same time, he's not completely guilty in some of the things that he's getting accused of. No, he's not. But the gavel will come down if Brooklyn don't win. True. Is what I'm saying. I think KD's the only one who's safe in this situation. Ironically. I don't... Do you do you think Kyrie can survive not winning in Brooklyn? See, I, can, I, I think KD can survive that. I mm-hmm. don't think James Harden can survive it. And I damn sure don't think Kyrie can survive. I think it depends. And that's my issue. It depends on, like, let's say now they get to the finals. Let's say, like, you know, this is a four-year contract. They're in year two. They get to the finals three straight years. If Kyrie goes and he decides that he wants to fold up, fold up the tent and play poorly, he doesn't survive it. But if it's, if it's not Kyrie's fault that they don't win, and he's out there and he's putting up the numbers, he's trying his best to get the championship, that's the only way he has to play above his head in those finals to avoid criticism. He can't just leave I remember, Right. I remember when Carmelo first came to New York. Mm-hmm. And I always remember it was an interview. And the first thing he said was, New York is not going to do me the same way they've done other players in the past. Mm-hmm. Which, were, which, which, which told me was, outside of the fact was, we know why he came to New York for Lala, but... He also took on the challenge that I'm not going to end up like one of these dudes turned to scrub like New York always end up doing. And what's crazy is he ended up being exactly that player. Yeah. So it's like, I just like, it's not talent wise. It's not talent wise. Nobody can sit here and say that talent wise Kyrie has any deficiency because he don't. But as a entertainer and as one of the top entertainers in the world, the critique bothers him too much for me. Mm. Like that that concerns me. Like you you listen you you listening to the fans too much for my liking. And anybody that listens to the fans too much, they they concern me. They they concern me. And listening to the fans too much, let me tell you the number one city the long city to do that New York. is New York City. Because we drag everything. <laughs> drag everything. <laughs> drag everything. This is the wrong city to take shit personal. You know what I'm saying? So if you already throwing up IG posts talking about, oh, if you with us, you with us, now you against. Like, it's too early for all of that. It's, it's, it is too early. It's too early for all of that. It's too early for that. And emotionally, I just, I just don't, I, I just, I just don't see it because if he can do this, if he can do what he did this year, he's going to do something else again. I don't think this is going to be Kyrie's last time showing. <laughs> I, we have to use the term Kyrian. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This, this, <laughs> that will not be the that will not be the last time we see Kyrie Kyrian. You know what I'm saying? That's that's all I'm going to say about that. I mean, your concerns are rightful because Kyrie's put himself in a, in a position to be questioned. So I guess. We'll wait and see because much like every other team, we're giving them to that 40 game-ish mark to see what they round into, what they look like. I guess after the All-Star break and in the second half, they put out the second half schedule so we know where these teams are going to be at, the postponed games, all this and that. I want to see what this net team looks like. I want to see what the rest of the Eastern Conference looks like because, again, out West, I haven't spoke about the Lakers because I'm really not even interested in the Western Conference this year. This is the weakest the West has been in years. The Lakers are the clear-cut favorite. I got them in the finals. So it's like, all right, I'm just going to watch. Some might say the Clippers, but when the Lakers decide to flip the switch and play for real 
the Clippers are food. So I'm not worried about that. But let's take it back to New York City, the stretch run. We got about five or six minutes left in the episode. And I'll ask you this. You've kind of been leaning in this direction, so I already know the answer, but I'll ask anyway. Can the Nets with a championship or two take over the city or will it forever be a Knicks town? Oh no. In New York you only gotta win one. Okay. And that's for and and that's for any sport. You know what I'm saying? That's for any sport. I'll I'll put it I'll put it on record right now. Kevin Durant brings a basketball championship to New York City, that'll be equivalent to Derek Jeter's first first Yankees chip. Wow. Like you you're talking to, you're talking about you're talking about a city who's starving for a championship. You think people would jump shit? You think, you think Nick fans cross over if, the, if that happens? Oh hell yeah. Oh hell yeah. Okay. Oh hell yeah. Okay. Oh hell yeah. Oh hell yeah. Kevin Durant will be the biggest he brought a basketball championship to New York City. Like mm. just let that marinate real quick. Mm-hmm. Just, like, do you know do you know what that means? That's the you one thing we haven't witnessed in this town. At all. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? And when we did Whoever's fans now wasn't born. Right. That's what I mean. <laughs> you know what Our so, era has a witness to hoop chip. We got everything else but a hoop right. chip. Kevin Durant bring a championship to New York City. He don't have to, he don't he can retire. He can retire. He can retire. He's like, yo, I accomplished everything. Scoring scoring titles, MVPs, and the championships, and I brought a championship to New York City. What what really is left to do in his career if he brings a championship to New York City? Nothing. Just add to it. Not, not now we can start putting them back <laughs> that, in a certain it. conversation that people don't want to have when it comes to LeBron. Yeah, like that. That's 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 really that's really it. So so it's like this will definitely be a Brooklyn Nets town if the, the Nets win a championship. Like I I don't have any because you're not talking about just a team that was put together and ran on a run. Mm-hmm. You're talking about a team that has three of the best players arguably in the world. So if they they win. They win the championship. They're going to be the hot, most highly glamorized team moving. You know what I'm saying? They'll be right there with the Chiefs as far as you know, high profile players on championship team. Right. But bringing a chip, a basketball chip to New York City, come on, man. So let me ask on, you this man. as a Knicks fan. Let me let, let, let's talk about your owner. The Nets win the championship. Do you think, based on how closely you follow the Knicks, that that would inspire Dolan to finally make decisions that benefit the Knicks, or would it be more of the same? No, because nothing is going to make him switch until his pockets get short. And that's not happening. That's one thing I can't stand about yes. y'all. Y'all lose every year, but y'all y'all pack the garden year in and year out. Y'all loyal Stockholm syndrome having asses. Y'all kill me with do you, that. Do you, you you know I got a stat for your ass. Do you know the Knicks have been the number one profitable team in the NBA the last ten years? I mean, it's the Knicks. Just think about that. The think brand about, is the think brand. About how terrible, lose. Think about how terrible the Knicks have been in the last ten years. And they have made more money than the Miami Heat, the Lakers, the Celtics, the Spurs, the Warriors, every year for the last 10 years. It's the most expensive ticket in the league. And when I put MSG on, I never see an empty seat. So they got to make money hand over fist. Yeah, so so the only way anything will change as far as the Knicks, you know, transitioning to competition is if. The money goes. Mm. You know what I'm saying? If they look at the charts and see, wait, why are we not selling out the garden anymore? And then they turn on it. They turn on yes, and they see, oh, this is the 45th straight sellout at the Barclays. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Once that happens, facts like that's that's what has to happen. That's why I was saying earlier that 
the biggest plus to what's going on in Brooklyn right now is the fact that there's no fans. Right. You know what I'm saying? And no fans right now is helping the Knicks as well. Because you have a young team who's not having, who their adversity is, is, they're dealing with adversity in silence. You know what I'm saying? Because we know what goes down in the garden. Mm -hmm. A lot of them games that the Knicks lost this year, they would have been booed off the court. You know what I'm saying? But they're, but they're at that, their adversity they're having is silence. But if it gets to the point where there's fans back in there, you're going to see a change because you're going to see some of the biggest people in the world front row in the Barclays. You're not going to see them in the garden. Only if the, the Nets come to the garden. That's the only way. That's Sheesh. the only way. The traveling all-star team that's one borough away. So, you know, being a New Yorker, I'm seeing a lot of Knicks fans bothered. They, 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 they don't like the presence of the, Knicks, of the Nets in Brooklyn. They say they're still the New Jersey Nets. They're the Long Island Nets. There's no respect for another New York team in the city. Uh, I think part of the reason is because, granted, the Nets haven't won a championship from the time they've opened up the Barclays Center. They have made moves, and they've tried to put a product on the floor in between some really bad losing that Knicks fans have wanted to see for their organization. You, they tr they tried it. They tried and they failed with, with uh, Paul Pierce and KG. But but it was worth the swing. You had Jason Kidd as a head coach, a, gla a glamorous team in a new building. You tried. You had Joe Johnson. When I was in, you now you have. When this, I was in this junior, when I was in junior high school, when I was in junior high school, I had this crush right <laughs> on this girl. Her name her name was her name was Danielle. I'll never forget Danielle. Like you remember in, like. You remember when in junior high school it was always that the one girl that was the baddest? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, she was she was that, honey. And it's not many and Daniels it, that are whack, now that I think about it. It's, it's rare. Right. Right. So what made her even better is that she was feeling me. Right? So, you know, we, we talked, we had our thing, all of that. And one day, she said she didn't want to mess with me no more. Oh, wow. Didn't give me no reason. Didn't say nothing, just voted. Come to find out, she started a relationship with one of the stars on the junior high school basketball team. Wow. Come on, son. He was the popular dude. Everybody knew him. He was putting her on front street. She was getting all the attention that she, was she lit. wanted. So she was lit. So she had no reason, you know what I'm saying, to, to be with me. And that's, and that's how I feel with this whole next. Next situation <laughs> is that like you you've been in you you've been so good to the city you've mm -hmm. been loyal to the city you know what I'm saying you you've done nothing but wanted the Knicks to be great but for somebody to come in swoop in and take all of that from you and then look better than you doing it. Mm. Yeah, it, it hurts my feelings. So, so, the, so it's it not hate; it's real feelings for Knicks fans. They they see Brooklyn, they see everything they want, oh so close, and they still not getting it. Let me right, let me ask you this question. I'm not even trying to troll. I'm being serious. Nick Nation, all the rumors about Kyrie and KD for about five or six months. When it, when you found out that those two were coming to New York, but they were going to Brooklyn, what was that like for a Knicks fan? Bro, the only reason why Kevin Durant is in Brooklyn because he ruptured his Achilles. Remember when Deion when DeAndre Jordan was on the Knicks, he basically told everybody. He, he basically told everybody, "Yo, Rose, he's coming to run the team, and I'm telling you, KD is coming to the Garden." But once he ruptured his Achilles, there was no there was no insurance that without KD for a year, 
that the Knicks would be able to get anybody else to come to the Knicks and play to hold the ship down until he came back, which is what made the Brooklyn situation so much better. In which Kyrie probably told him, like, yo, you about to come to New York and try to do exactly what you can do if you just come with me. And you can sit, chill, get right, we'll still make the playoffs, and then when you come back, we'll be instant contenders. Like, it makes perfect sense. It makes Damn, perfect that sucks. sense. That, so, that's real sickening so when you fact, think about it because now KD comes back and he looks like KD as expected because I kept telling people, I said, yo, if he would have ruptured his left Achilles, he'd have been done. But because he ruptured his right Achilles and the only dude to ever come back as the name brand after that happened was Dominique and he had the same injury was right. his right Achilles. If you're a right-handed player, you explode off your left leg. So once he still got that leg, his explosive, his explosive leg, he's kind of safe. He still lost something, but he once didn't lose KD as much got as he that bucket, lost. Once KD, once KD got that bucket, hit the ground and mm-hmm. grabbed that Achilles, all Knicks fans was like, oh, yeah. Yep. Because <laughs> oh, for, for like two weeks, all we were saying, like, yo, KD, just get out this finals, bro. Like, just, just get out these finals, bro. Just get out these finals. Just get out these finals. Just get out these finals. He that came first back. Is still the same. Good in that first quarter. He scored like, a, what, the first 12, 14 points? Mm-hmm. He was busting Siakam's ass. Then he went down. All the Knicks fans was like, oh, no. That's Once he did that, I was like, Kevin Durant. Yeah, he was supposed to, to, but then that's when Dolan was like he didn't want to give him the bread because he wasn't sold on, you know, if he would be the same player. But the <laughs> irony of it is well, that he finally made a decision to not be the Knicks and take a risk, and then it was the wrong decision. That's why the Knicks can't get right. Yeah, yeah. How do you how do you switch how do you switch up on your morals and strategies in regards to the best player in the NBA? Like you made that decision. 12 times with terrible players. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to Kevin Durant, you're like, no. You know what? Like, what? Fool like, me 11 like, times, really? shame on me, huh? We're not doing this again. You, you see the sense You see the sense in giving Jerome James $50 million, but mm. you see no sense in giving Kevin Durant 175 Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, the are first step you is kidding? still the same. The bounce looks kind of the same. The jump shot is still wet. Kevin Durant is the, he's a genuine article. He is exactly who we know he, he, he is to be. He is doing he is doing a lot of drifting and fading though. Mm-hmm. But the, the the reason why it's not really coming to light is because he's probably one of the greatest shot makers we've seen. So, but a lot of his shots are you know fading, drifting, one footers off of one. Of course, because he's still not hundred percent confident in the leg, but he's still landing on the right leg. So he's trying right, right, some things. Right, right. And I think part of it too right. is because. The areas that he's playing, when I, when I look at him play with the Nets, he's not getting the balls in his spots. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like part of the the, the offense being so disjointed is kind of why he looks the way he looks when he's taking these shots because he's looking for his shot as opposed to getting to activate in his areas and going to work. So let me ask you, who, in your opinion, has to make the biggest sacrifice for the, the Nets to get a championship? You know, I really don't know because I haven't, I can't, I, I don't know. It's going to be between Harden and Kyrie because I believe that when players require dribbling to get into their offense, it's the more difficult job for them to figure out what their role is going to be. KD doesn't have to dribble more than twice to get a bucket, right? So I look at Harden and yeah. Kyrie and I'm like, who's going to be the guy who's willing to play off the catch a little bit more? I feel like as of today, Harden is doing too much to, to, to kind of acquiesce to Kyrie and KD being that they were there first. And he's not looking for his shot right. until the fourth quarter. But I think that 
I think a best case scenario with the kind of offense they want to run with the motion and everything is going to be a game by game basis where I, if you got to go in, it's your show. If you got to go in, it's your show. I don't think it's going to be a situation where there's a clear cut number two. KD's number one. And game by game, we'll, we'll see how the flow goes, with, if it'll be Kyrie or Harden. That's the that's my best answer and it's, as of it, right now. It's funny you say that because I honestly feel KD is the one that has to give the biggest sacrifice. Yeah. For this very reason. That everybody knows he's the best player on the team. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows when the game is on the line, he better have that ball. But the thing is, at certain times, KD is going to have to know, I got to give it to Kyrie. But you don't think or, he had that experience with Steph already? No, no, when to give it up or when to get it? No, because if you if you think about it, a lot of Warriors offense doesn't start with Steph. See, when you're talking about Brooklyn offense, it's starting with Kyrie. No, I mean, it doesn't necessarily start, time. but KD also knew that the entire offense is predicated on Steph. And a lot of times his no, gravity, but, his presence... And his handling is gonna because decide what, because where the offense that, or where the ball's gonna what I'm go. Saying is, right, but what I'm saying is, in that offense, he had the confidence that eighty percent of the time we get cross half court, mm-hmm. regardless of how hot Clay is, regardless of how hot Steph is. I know I'm going to at least touch the ball. True, I know it's not I'm as going much dribbling in Golden State. You right, right. There is no guarantee that if Harden. Or, or Kyrie get the ball off the rim and bring it past half court that he's going to touch the ball in an offensive set. Mm. Because James Harden and Kyrie is two people. When they are hot, they don't see nobody. <laughs> they don't, well, they don't see nobody see. But, but the rim. So I think it's mentally the sacrifice KD has to make right. because it's going to come to a point where he may have to bug on one of them. And we've, and we've seen... KD, KD got a little leash on him. Like he, he been bugging on his teammates. Like, yo, give me the rock or because stop he, he doing takes this. Or chip. Don't. He understands what it takes. Now he realized what he should have done with Westbrook all those years ago in Golden State. It's times when you need to clap right. your hand, give me the ball, and get out the way. I know you nice. I hear you. But I'm nicer. Give me the ball. And I hope he does that in Brooklyn because then that, that creates right. the pecking order that's going to be necessary to, to contend we're gonna and watch, win the chip. We're going to watch it. We're gonna watch. We're gonna watch a Chicago Bulls game. It's gonna be versus a team like that. It's mm-hmm. gonna be a tie ball game. Kyrie's gonna have forty two, right? <laughs> End of the game. If Kyrie has forty two, Kyrie thinks I'm shooting the ball. But end of the game, the ball should be in. I don't. I don't care if KD is two for seventeen, bro. It's a tie ball game. End of the game. He got to see the rock. Get that man the ball. And I just. And I just don't think James Harden and Kyrie are those people that'll say, yeah, I'm hot, but KD needs to see the ball. I think Harden (laughs) is more than Kyrie. Because as as you said, and we've seen, there's times where Harden is like hot potato. Hey, you got to take it. I think Harden will, will take that step back. Kyrie... But then again, Kyrie played with LeBron, and he figured out when he had to, to fall back. So we we going to see, man. I ain't going to write it off 100%. But, but we're talking about LeBron, who's passed first, though. True. KD True. ain't passed first. Is he, though? Is he? He's not, he's not passed first. Come on. LeBron is LeBron being unselfish is the biggest lie told in NBA history, but I'm not gonna get started on that. You you're gonna be back on the gray area because we got a lot of basketball to talk. We were so Nick and net centric, but we got more to discuss and you'll be back. I'm I'm think I'm thinking maybe around the all-star break, we'll spin it back and we'll talk about the first half of the season overall. Oh we 
We can do this tri-state recap all you want, bro. It was a pleasure. I, I appreciate sport. you bringing me on. Well, hold on. Wait a minute. Before you, know you know go, saying? I need you to do one thing for me. Identify, Identify yourself. Yeah. Let my listeners know where they can find you on the socials. If you got anything going on, if you if you stepping into the pod game like you rightfully should, let them know. Oh, yeah, yeah. You already know my name is Dre Reddy. D-R-E-R-E-A-D-Y. You know what I'm saying? I'm CEO of We Ready Entertainment. One-sixth of Going Savvy, which is an acronym that stands for Getting Over Obstacles and Negativity. Um, like Josh said, you know what I'm saying? We quietly get into the podcast game, but... You know, we making sure that we we do it right. You know, we trying to we trying to be the Barry Gordy of podcast. You know what I'm saying? The new, the new Motown. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So we we got a lot of a lot of things that's coming in the in the spring and summertime. Um, but I'm gonna definitely you know be coming coming to this great area to to set my man straight. You know, now sometimes this. sometimes you. Sometimes he's a little off with his hot takes, y'all. You know what I'm saying? But you know, Listen, I, sometimes I, I bring love him this back. game. I'm not I'm not here to be right, Dre. I'm here to entertain, man. <laughs> I hear you. Yo, we're gonna talk soon, man. Yeah. I appreciate you coming on. All day, all day. Love yes, y'all. Sir. Love. Ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. Chapter 77 of the gray area. Barclays versus Bozos. Nick Nation, I can't even call him Bozo Nation right now. Drake came through, he showed up, and he showed out. So I'll talk nice for this smidgen of a second. Look forward to chapter 78. We're going to be getting into some Super Bowl talk. You know, maybe even a prediction or two might happen. Who knows? But as the saying goes. Whether you like it or don't like it, sit down and look at it because it's the best going today. Woo! Perfect.